Good morning. Today we're in the fourth part of the Lord's Prayer. Two more weeks to go. This is the most recited, memorized, and studied text in the whole of Scripture. And this is why I decided to to take this subject and expand on it for six weeks. And so today we're going to be talking about, I think it's, it's a, it is a hang-up in, in the Lord's Prayer because it's forgive us our debts as we forgive others. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Gary Chapman says this, forgiveness is not a feeling. See, that's, that's why we, we struggle with forgiveness because we make it a feeling. But forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a commitment. It's a choice to show mercy, not to hold the offense up against the offender. Forgiveness is an expression of love. So today, we're going to be talking from now on. And you go, why did he call it from now on? Because from now on, we're supposed to live differently. That's what this part of the prayer is saying. From now on, you're supposed to live differently. Matthew 6, 12 says this, and forgive us our debts. We'll get to the rest of it later. But we're, forgive us our debts. You see, this is the foundation of the gospel. This, this, in this prayer, like I've said week after week, this is not just a prayer. This is a way of life. This is how Christians are supposed to live. So, no other, this is, this is a message of grace and no other religion offers it. No other religion offers this message. Only Christianity gives this way, this away. Every other religion, you have to earn it. You have to be good enough. And it's like our good is going to outweigh our bad. This isn't your homework, but, but not one of you would want your last thoughts put on this screen for everybody to see, would you, from last week? None of you. None of you would want what you thought, let alone what you said, put on the screen. None of you. Because, because we still sin. This is a message of grace. If we wrote down all of our sins this week, all that offended God, and all that didn't offend God, I'm telling you, the list for what offends God will be a lot bigger than the list that doesn't offend God. We can't earn salvation. This is why this part of the prayer says, forgive us our debts. This is the foundation of the gospel in a little bit of the Bible. It's just a little prayer, but I'm telling you, it's not just a prayer. It's not just, it takes about, 20 seconds to recite. But it's a way of life. And we should start living this way. See, other religions believe in reincarnation. How do you think that works, really? Because this is what reincarn- reincarnation says. I ha- get reincarnated so I can live a good life. To pay for all my past bad. Well, how are you going to do that? Because that means you've got to 
you can't pay for something if you commit any bad in the next life. Any. Reincarnation can't work. You'd always be reincarnated. You'd never get anywhere. You see, that part of religion does not work. You have to earn it. This is not a religion that we have to earn. That's why it's called grace. Like the sign says, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's already been paid for. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. He made Jesus to be your and my sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I've said this many times before. It's like copy and paste. God deletes all of your bad and he pastes all of Christ's righteousness on your life. And it's not once a day. It's every second of your life that he's got to do this. And Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by the grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. You can't earn it. It's grace. If you could earn it, it wouldn't be grace. If you could be good enough, it wouldn't be grace. By faith. Believing. All we have to do is believe. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. See, I'm telling you, if we could earn it, we'd be boasting about what we've done to earn it. And then we would be sinning. We can't earn it. Because we are all sinners. We are all sinners. We all have fallen short of God's glory. See, everybody who has ever lived has a conscience and should know two things for sure. There is evil in me and I, I am in some kind of trouble from some holy power out there. That's why religion, it doesn't matter. All religions think this, that there's a higher power that's going to judge you. But, but Christianity says, I sent a solution to the problem. See, we can try to make amends by keeping rituals, keeping rules, but the problem with this is the Bible. The problem with trying to keep rituals and rules is the problem of with the in the, you look at the Bible. If if any one person, if any one person, and I repeat this all the time, if any one person could keep the commandments, not the Big Ten, but the six hundred and thirteen Old Testament rules and laws. If anyone could, Jesus wouldn't have had to be born. Jesus wouldn't have had to come in the flesh. Jesus wouldn't have to live a life. Jesus wouldn't have had to die. Because that would mean there was hope in the human race without Jesus. We are hopeless without Jesus because we are sinners. 
see, we should strive to follow the law. We should strive to be better people, but we shouldn't live to be better people. We shouldn't make that up. We, we, we can't be better people. That is why we have 613 laws in the Old Testament. Because we are sinners. And obviously, we can be a little thick and not realize that. So God, in the Old Testament, gives us the law to show us that we fall short. But every single chapter of the Bible is about Jesus. Every single chapter, they might not say his name, but they're all there to point us to one way and one way alone, to point us to Jesus, to show us we're not good enough because we are sinners, and Jesus is good enough, and he's already paid the price for our sin. See, John, 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Well, what was the first word of this this part of the prayer? Forgive us our debt. See, we don't get that really in America because every one of us is in debt. In America, it's just the way of life. It's just the way of life. But if we go back to when Jesus is telling these people, forgive us our debts, he's talking to people that at that time, prisons weren't full of murderers and criminals. In that sense, they were, they were mainly filled with debtors because you either got killed or put to work if you was Another kind of criminal. The people that were in jail, most of them were debtors. People who owed somebody some money. Imagine that, if we all had to go to prison because we owed people money. There there wouldn't be many people walking free around in America, I can tell you that right now. So... So we got to look at, this is a big deal. When God is telling his disciples, you forgive us our debt. He's saying, you need to repent. You're called to repentance. I just told you what John says in 1 John, verse 1, 9. When we confess our sins, the price has already been paid. You see, this is the crazy thing. We hide. We hide our sins from God, which is so ridiculous. We believe in an all-powerful God that created the universe out of nothing. It just appeared when he spoke it. Yet we think we can hide something from him? It's crazy, but we do. We're all guilty of this. We're all guilty of hiding sins in our lives. We're all guilty saying, oh, I better not go to God with that. But all it is is to tell God you realize that that was wrong and 
God, I'm going in this direction and it's wrong. Help me. I'm confessing my sins to turn around and go in the opposite direction, away from my sins and towards you. You see, you do realize we are going to sin. And what happens when we sin most often is we run away and God wants us. This is the point. Jesus here isn't saying run away. He's saying run to me. Run to me. When he's saying forgive us of debts, he's saying run to me. I already paid the price for it. He brought the forgiveness of sins for the whole world in all times, past, present, and future sins. You see, there is not a sin, there is not a sin that has not been paid for. Now, it might not have been accepted by the person but, or asked for forgiveness from the person, but there wasn't a sin on the, that wasn't paid for on the cross. See, and anyone who believes, they are forgiven. All we have to do is ask. If you say you profess that Christ is good enough on that day to forgive you, he's good enough every day to forgive you. He doesn't just forgive you once, because if he did, we'd all be going, how? He forgives all the time. He's saying, run towards me. This is really, that's all he's saying when he says, at you pray, forgive us our debt. He's saying, don't run away from me. Run towards me. I love you. I want to love you. Romans 8, 28 through 29 says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among brothers. And Romans, Romans 8.30 says this, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so you can boast. For we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God conforms us. He conforms us to Christ's image. When we ask for forgiveness, God conforms us to his image. You see, during this prayer, what has Jesus been doing? If we understand rightly, he has been conforming us to his image, his way of thinking. You see, at the beginning of the prayer, we're halfway in now. At the beginning of the prayer, he told us, God is your father. So that makes you his child. He's conforming you to his image. Jesus is Christ, God's son. We are God's children. He's 
God is holy. He, there's none like him. You don't have a daddy like that. He is perfect, never changing. Jesus wants then to be rightly, remember, sat on the throne of your heart. Your kingdom come. He's conforming you. He's saying, put me where I belong. Because he wants us, then he wants us, your will, your will, your will come into our lives. God, he's saying, he wants us to understand that it's his will, not yours, that's ultimately, ultimately, if you want his will in your life and you live for God's will, guess what? You're going to have the fullest life that is physically possible for you. You're going to have the life that God planned for you before the beginning of time. This is what he's done, this whole prayer. He's conforming you to his likeness. Because what did Jesus show us? He conformed to God's will, didn't he? He went to the cross because he knew that that was his plan, God's plan for his life. You see, now Jesus wants us to repent and turn the 180 degrees and follow him, which leads to my next point. You see, Matthew 6, 12 says, as we also forgive our debtors, as we also forgive. Let me, let, let's get one thing straight right now. That word as makes this gospel. Whatever word could be there. It doesn't say, this is where people get so messed up with this prayer because they think, if I don't forgive others, does this mean God's not going to forgive me? That's not what that says, is it? It doesn't say, and forgive us our debts because we also have forgiven our debtors, does it? If it did, it wouldn't be the gospel and it would be not line up with scripture. It says, as, as. Well, going back to my last point, he conforms us to Jesus' likeness, doesn't he? So what this text is actually saying is that if we're conformed to Christ's likeness because we accept him as our personal savior and now he's living inside of us, we realize how much we've been forgiven. So now it should be easier to forgive others. Because if we don't, we're saying other people don't deserve forgiveness, but I do. I'm better than them, and God knows it. You see, this is a hang-up for a lot of people, because do you know how many people have said, can't wait till you get to that part of the sermon? But it says as, not because. Because would mean you're not saved. You're not going to be forgiven if it said because. But you are saved. You are forgiven. Now, if Christ is living within you, you need to learn to forgive. Luke 6, 37 says, judge not and you will not be judged. Do you know why he says that? Because we can't love and judge at the same time. It's physically impossible for us to be loving and judging at the same time. God can do all things at once. He's amazing. 
Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And Luke 17, 3 through 4 says, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Because you've been forgiven. Because you've been forgiven. This is God's trans- transformative, I don't know why I would, I, transformative, it says, it says it better up here than it does here. Transformative power. Thank you, Andrew. Jesus also charges his believers to show the same mercy, the same mercy to the fools and sinners who surround us each day. Because guess what we are? Fools and sinners. And he showed us mercy. He showed us mercy. I don't care what your scale of sin is. It's like this, in God's eyes. We fall short of God's... God does not judge on a curve, so you are a sinner. And he has forgiven you. See, how can we do this? The first half of this this request seems easy, you see. Now, repentance, to ask for repentance for yourself seems easy. Because when we look at this part, but Jesus does not say that... What you, they did was right. See, this is what we've got to realize. We've got to realize that forgiveness doesn't mean what they did was right. This is, this, this is not what it means. And just like God forgives you, he's not saying what you did was right. He's saying, I forgot that. Your transgressions against me, I'm forgetting. I'm going to stamp your life with Christ's righteousness because you're an image of God. But guess what? So are the people you can't forgive. All I can do is say, it, it, is don't let Satan rob you because that's what happens here. Satan robs us. From this great commandment to forgive the sins that were committed against you. See, it robs you of Jesus' plans. When you don't forgive people, it hurts you. It hurts you. You're the one who carries the baggage around. And this means you still be hurt. You'll still be being hurt by them. If you don't forgive them, guess what? You're still being hurt by them. Took me a long, long time to realize this. But my, me and my dad, everybody knows now that we had a crap relationship. My dad left when I was seven years old, came to America. I thank God for that now. Because I see on the other side of the the picture now, because I'm further in my life and I see what, God has used it for. You know how hurt I was? How angry I was? You see, my dad's abandonment caused anger inside me. And guess what I was doing? I was actually hurting other people because of the anger I had inside. 
I joke sometimes, and it's not funny, but I had a coffee table, and because, and it, it, it's still wrong, when I would get mad, guess what I would do? I would break that co- co- coffee table. I, God made me a carpenter too, but not for this reason. How many times I built that coffee table? About 20 times. I would repair that coffee table. It had different, by the time I'd finished, it probably wasn't, the top was the only thing that was the original thing on it. Because I would pick that coffee table up, everything on it would be broke, by the way, but I would pick that coffee table up and I'd throw it down. And it would just, and then I would punch it and kick it and trash it because of the anger that was inside because of unforgiveness in my life. And then one day, Jesus found me. And then I actually counseled with my dad, with David, and I, 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 my dad and me talked, and my dad apologized and asked for forgiveness. I said I forgive him. Do you know how long it took me to really forgive him? A couple of years. But do you know what's strange? Is I'm telling you, the day I forgive him, the next day I felt called to be a pastor. Now, do you think God was holding something back for my life and letting me get something resolved before he moved me on to my next stage of life? I do. Because I believe all of what my dad did, by the way, was, was God used as part of his plan for my life to get me to this point in my life. And I'm so thankful today that I can say I've got an amazing relationship with my dad because of forgiveness. Forgiveness hurts you. If you don't forgive people, it's going to hurt you. This is why I think Jesus says this. As you forgive others. See, Jesus models this so well when he said, Father, forgive them. Remember, he's on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Maybe the people that have offended you, sometimes they don't even know what they've done to offend you. Sometimes they don't even know that they hurt you. And you're holding on to anger and bitterness. And God does not want you to be a prisoner. And I think this is why Jesus ends this prayer with these words. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I think what God's saying is if you can't forgive, maybe forgiveness doesn't live inside of you. Maybe you've not accepted the forgiveness that has been given to you. Because if you realize what you've been forgiven from, you would be able to forgive. What's really true, though, is one of the greatest sins of, in our relationship is the sin of forgetfulness. This is why we have trouble for, forgiving. Matthew 18, 23 through 35 says this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a kingdom, king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. 
when he began to settle one, settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. A, a, a figure that he would have never been able to pay off. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. He's repenting. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what had, had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgive you all your debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. See, I think we can so easily forget. We can all fall to fail to remember the amazing power of grace and love and mercy that was shown and showered upon our lives. See, we can all forget that we never could have earned or deserved the best things in our lives. See, everything you have comes from God. See, it all pours into our life through God's amazing grace. Here's the problem. To the degree that you forget the grace that has been given to you, in the same degree, it is easier for you not to extend the grace that is to others. See, if we forget that we are covered in grace, I think this is why it's harder for people who have been Christians along the time. Because they forget how much grace has been poured upon their lives because they've been following Christ for so long. And, and, and they, they have trouble showing the same grace that was poured on their lives to others. Remember, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. See, if you fail to carry around with your heart the heart of gratitude for the love you've been feeling freely given, it is easy not to love the others that are put in your life. Yet, we read a text, David read the text earlier. You know, love one another. Love one another. You see, it is, and always has been true that no one gives grace better than a person who is deeply persuaded that they needed it. And that is, it, it has been graciously supplied by God by tender mercies, mercies. See, that's why most 
Christians that became Christians, their biggest impact in their life was when? For other people. Was when they first met Jesus. When they first met Jesus because they lived in a passion that they knew that they didn't deserve the grace that had been shown them so they could go out in the world and show that grace to other people. And then the longer we come to church, the longer we get comfortable, the longer we feel secure in our salvation, the less we remember that we are saved by grace and grace alone. We can't earn it. The call to forgive immediately exposes our need for forgiveness. The call to give grace reveals how much we need grace. The call to forgive is the very same time a call to remember and to be thankful for the grace that has been poured on our lives. This is why Jesus says, ask for forgiveness, but give forgiveness. Because it helps you to remember that you are forgiven. That you are forgiven. It conforms you to be like Christ. To be like Christ. Having him rule on your throne. Because if Christ is ruling like this prayer says, you would have no problem forgiving. It's when we kick him off the throne and says, God, you don't know what's best for me. I need to hold this grudge. This person hurt me. You know, however much they hurt you, guess what? They hurt God a lot more. They hurt God a lot more because you're his child. And I don't know about you, but I'm a parent and a grandparent. When my grandchildren and my children get hurt, I get upset. Probably sometimes more than they do. So I think our daddy in heaven does the same thing. And here's the thing. is, Like I said earlier, forgiveness doesn't make what they did right. You forgiving them don't, doesn't make them right with God. They've got to ask for forgiveness to make themselves right with God. In the end, if, 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 here's the thing, the great thing about if you forgive somebody, you're not the one punishing them anyway. At the end of the day, guess who they're going to have to face? They're going to have to face God. But they are also covered in the same grace you're covered. So if they ask for forgiveness, they are going to be forgiven. So when you remember how far you fall short, you are tender-hearted toward others who fall short too. And you want for them the same grace that is your only hope. So your homework for this week is I want you to start each day praying to God, telling him, asking for forgiveness for your sins, for your shortcomings. Because I think if we start to do that, if we start to do that, we'll learn to forgive others. If we actually started each day asking for the forgiveness that we need, This isn't going to save you, by the way. You're saved by grace. This is just to admit in 
your fault to God. And when we do that, we will grow. And then we to look for ways this week to show the same grace that's been poured out on your life to others. To give them forgiveness. T.J. Jakes says this, I think the first step to understanding that forgiveness does not exonerate the perpetrator, but forgiveness liberates the victim. It's a gift you give to yourself. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may you give us the grace to remember and the willingness to give to others what we have been given. You're an amazing God that has already forgiven all of our past sins, all of our future sins, and all of the sins that we're going to commit right now, God. They're all paid for. Help us to learn to forgive others like you have forgiven us. Help us to become more like your son. I know we're never going to be perfect, God, why we why we're on this side of heaven. But help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I've just got a short video on